Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Talking Business, a podcast produced in Melbourne, Australia. The podcast is available on the ACAST app, the Apple Podcast Store, or wherever you go to get your podcasts. Or you can get it at the Business Acumen website at www.businessacumen.biz. I am Leon Gettler. My job is to review and monitor the week's news in business, finance and economics. I bring it all to you every week. This is episode number 23 in our series for 2020, and today's date is Friday the 10th of July. First, I'll be talking to Rachel Callan and Katie Croft about their Thriving Through COVID-19 initiative, which they set up to help hundreds of small businesses stay connected, inspired and thrive no matter how they've been impacted. And I'll be talking to Comsec Chief Economist Craig James about what to expect in the market in the week ahead. But now, let's talk to Rachel Callan and Katie Croft. Rachel and Katie, you started a group last week, bringing people together from all kinds of locations and industries uh, for support for COVID-19. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so we both, Rachel and I, um, so I'm Katie, and I've worked with, both Rachel and I work with a lot of businesses that are in retail, hospitality, bars and clubs, I guess. And obviously they were pretty much at the, the forefront of, of the first wave of COVID-19 restrictions. And so pretty much the from the first week onwards, we were doing a lot of crisis management for them helping them to adjust basically their entire business model and the way they were communicating with their. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Hold up. 
with their staff. That was the first week. The second week, pretty much everything turned to almost lockdown. So our businesses were significantly affected, you know, while we've still got a small, lovely client base, base, and we really support our existing clients who were also affected. Obviously, they just don't have the money coming in that they used and once did. So both Rach and I jumped on the phone and we're just putting our heads together really about how we could support not only our clients, but also so many others that were out there. We were, you know, the, of friends and, and community, you know, others in our wider network that were also facing similar challenges. So we figured we should just share as much as we knew of what we'd already communicated with our clients, help others know what they should be communicating. But also we, we were also dealing with the challenges of being both mums at home now with kids full time. So not having the benefits of childcare and that sort of thing. Um, I've got two young boys under five. And so with business drying up, now turning back to motherhood and just still craving that community connection that we had um, constantly in our business, we just, yeah, put our heads together and thought, okay, what, there must be millions of others out there that are going through this. Let's, let's do what we can to to connect us and share our stories, get real about the challenges that we're all going through and yeah, created this group thriving through COVID. We kicked it off with a bit of a, with a, you know, I guess a webinar, what is what we'd like to call it, I guess it's which basically just shares everything we knew from the strategies and tips and literal, here's what you could say to your community right now. So people have the, the you know, the tools to just get, acting quickly even if you you don't know much about social or PR because we knew that um you know our own clients really did need were media were hungry for stories of of all different ranges from the positives to the negatives of of that so you know we jumped on the phone straight away with our clients and then we were sharing that with with others of just what you could do to really get your story out there of the impacts and that sort of thing and um yeah so the Facebook group sort of kicked off and pretty much from there it's just been a, a a flood of amazing businesses coming together. So uh, what, what kind of industries are we talking about here? So, Rach, do you want to give a little bit of an insight of some of the industries we've seen? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, basically everything's represented. So from tourism and events to hospitality, food and beverage. So, um, in fact, last week we held our first Bring Your Vino event, uh, which featured um, a cocktail, a premixed cocktail, a brand out of Wellington. So that was really fascinating to hear the stories of, um, you know, I guess the different situation that they're in and how that's affecting uh, business over there. Accountants, business consultants, web development, IT. It's such fitness. a broad range. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and- guess, yeah. The thing that's common with everyone is quite usually like the business is generally quite small business owners. Would you say, Katie? Yeah, absolutely. They're really small business owners. Um, Yeah, everyone in the group really has their own business. Obviously, we wanted to bring people that are um, you know may not have the the benefit of a wider network um, Mm -hmm. as much. Um, So you know, a big big management team behind them, and yeah, so a lot of them they're different ranges too in sizes. So you know, some are some we had, you know, 20 staff that they've had to reduce mm. down to one or two staff members only now. Um, and so others are just, you know, sole business owners. And, yeah, so it's, it's quite a big range. Mm. Um, but, yeah, there's people oh. like 
We've yeah. had one from Sri Lanka who um, mm-hmm. owns a, a hotel over in or a new accommodation that was set up in Sri Lanka that's been impacted. We've had a fishing tourism company that's obviously gone, you know, to, to zero um, in the recent, you know, with COVID restrictions impacting all of their activities. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just been so many and so such interesting businesses from cake, uh, ca- you know, cafes and cake stores that have pivoted to trying to do you know, grab and grow products now to help, you know, continue to keep some money coming in. Mm. Others like uh, there's one girl called Ash Thallon who runs, um, I've just. Garzian May. Yes, that's right. And she, so she imports, um, Garzian May import uh, handmade products from India. And so obviously India is also in a, in a complete lockdown as well. So she cannot get her products at all. So, yeah, her business is also at a standstill. But there's also been others like um, Katina from Club Sandwich HR, who is actually really, I guess, thriving in, in the literal sense of uh, being run off, off, run off her feet with needing to support her clients in transitioning them to, you know, the, the um, home office model. And also having those really challenging, tough conversations that, you know, with reducing team sizes. So she is actually very busy. So there are those that are thriving literally with business. Mm-hmm. And there are, there are those that are obviously having the significantly reduced effect of their business and gone the opposite way, had to close their doors. And so I guess what why we called it thriving through COVID, it's not about necessarily Yeah, cash flow. It's about the mental support that we need to keep everyone, you know, keep everyone strong during this time because it is, you know, there is going to be something on the other side, whatever that will be. And and the I guess the biggest message we're doing, we're we're trying to share is that as long as you keep your community strong, no matter what it was before, and you focus on supporting your community in that time um, through you know, sharing as much information to support your, you know, your clients or your, I guess, target audiences in, in a, you know, in a marketing term, you're going to come out well on the other side. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, that's, that's been the biggest common thread we're, we're hearing from everybody as well as what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it is, has been such a positive, positive group in everybody sharing tips everybody sharing the realities of what they're going through but it's also about having a good laugh too like we're sharing a lot of the memes that are going around just to stay positive a lot of mental health tips of what they're doing to to you know just find that daily boost of motivation whether it's having a a dance (laughs) with your favorite music or um something to stay productive during the day (laughs) yeah I think a lot of people have taken this opportunity to learn new skills as well. That's really been a common thread. Taking the time to pause and kind of think about, you know, the areas, I guess, that maybe they weren't able to, or those projects that they weren't able to get to, you know, while they were kind of in the day-to-day grind. Um, You know, now there is this opportunity to kind of, you know, get on top of all those things that were on the to-do list for so long. So I'm just thinking of, um, yeah, a couple of people like Luke Dean, who is – an events director and he's worked with some incredible brands like Mecca, you know, for their Mecca land pop-up, which was a huge success um, and Vogue and Meyer, And, you know, obviously the retail industry was hit very hard. 
so he's taking time now to kind of, you know, focus on his health and, you know, focus on self-development and things like that. And yeah, just waiting for his next project. So that's definitely been a theme too, don't you think, yeah, Katie? Absolutely. Yeah. It's been, I think one of, yeah, I guess the most inspiring part of it all is that while our businesses have been majorly impacted financial, the revenue is not coming in. It's been an amazing opportunity to literally, as Rach said, pause and just reflect on what actually is important in your business. Have you just been chasing the hard dollars, the quick dollars, I guess, at the end of the day, rather than, um, yeah, what, why, coming back to your why in business, which is (laughs) such a, you know, typical term and, you know, uh, typical term in business, but it is really important. It gives you time to reflect on that. And I guess myself as a business owner, why I got into business is so I could have more time with my family and have a a business that gives me that flexibility. And this, yeah, COVID really has given me that opportunity. It's to actually have time to be a mum and not just yeah, do the daily grind of work, 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 but have a bit more of a balance. (laughs) What's that? And the hustle, you know, that was such a word that was thrown around, you know, there was this kind of crazy expectation to go beyond even the, the, you know, the the nine to five and have like side projects and things like this. And I think it's really kind of brought people back to a sense of, hang on a second. Yeah. Yeah. What is, what is actually important? Yeah. What's important? Yeah. Well, that's, that's quite extraordinary. And, of course, Rachel, you're based on the Sunshine Coast, and, Katie, you're in Brisbane. Yes. So it's quite extraordinary that you guys yeah. have brought together this community. And well done. And uh, and Thank wishing you. you all the best and hoping you get through this. Uh, and I know you guys will get through this. Absolutely. And uh, wishing you all the best, and thank you very much for your time. Thank Thanks, you. Leon. Really appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. And now let's talk to Comsec Chief Economist Craig James. Well, Craig James, uh, what's your view of the markets developments this week? Well, it's going to be an interesting week. Um, there's uh, the usual bureau of statistics, you know, sort of got a whole range of uh, special new surveys which they introduced, you know, sort of a number of weeks ago, you know, so, so we can monitor the impact of COVID on the economy. So things like, you know, so the June travel stats or statistics which are coming out on, on Tuesday. So very, very much up-to-date readings in terms of arrivals and departures, you know, so in, the, in the country. Uh, we have the, the weekly payroll data. Uh, again, a relatively new indicator that the Bureau of Statistics has come up with. That's coming out on Tuesday as well. And Commonwealth Bank has got the house spending. Yes, every week the Commonwealth Bank looks at debit and credit card uh, transactions. And uh, those figures are coming out, yes, on Tuesday. That's the the latest read, basically, on spending across the the economy. So nowadays, if the data is more than, yes, a month old, well, you know, basically people, yes, they don't want to know about it. They want to know what's happened, yes, not just in the last, you know, so month, what's happened, you know, so in the last week. If, if we look across the, the data, though, there's two standouts uh, in terms of the economic data. It's the jobs figures that come out on Thursday, uh, the all-important, you know, so employment and uh, unemployment, you know, so figures. So those uh, figures really stand out on Thursday. And the other thing that we'll be watching fairly closely is the National Australia Bank Business Survey, which comes out on Tuesday. So those... Uh, uh, reports or indicators have been around for, for some time, maybe a little bit lagging in terms of information, but still, you know, sort of this is very much you know, sort of the uh, the top echelon in terms of economic data in, across Australia. 
Right, okay. So there'll be a lot to watch about how the uh, pandemic is shaping the market. Very much the, the, the case now. Um, I suppose um, when we think about the economy, it's, it's actually performed you know, quite well, uh, given the fact that um, we have had you know, this once in a hundred years you know, sort of pandemic. But uh, because Australia has been very successful in terms of suppressing you know, sort of the virus you know, in Australia, that's allowed lockdown restrictions to, to, to ease. You know, it's a lot earlier than what some expected. Got to remember back when you know, so the, the, the virus was first taking hold, that the Reserve Bank thought it would be a September before a lot of the lockdown restrictions will, will, would end. Um, now we're looking at right the way across the country, I suppose, except for Victoria, but right the way across the country, quite a number of the lockdown restrictions have already eased and we're only in, in early July. So the fact that you know, so we're, we're getting back to work, businesses are getting back to business and um, employees are getting back to, to work is very much an encouraging sign. So we want to see some progress on that in terms of the National Australia Bank Business Survey. We do know that confidence levels really took a hit when we go back to uh, the March reading. It was uh, business confidence was down 65 points the normal reading is a plus five, and it was down by 65 points in, in March. It, it improved in April to minus 45, and then in May to, to minus 20. So we'd like to see further continuation of uh, an improvement in business confidence. Business conditions have remained weak as well. Uh, minus 22 was that reading back in March, and then minus 33 in April. But there were signs of improvement of that in May. May minus 24 so the uh, the readings yes yeah, certainly yes yeah, will be watched very very closely that'll be fascinating to watch and what's uh, your assessment so hey where do you think it'll be tracked i think we're getting i think we're going to get close back to towards the zero line now business conditions still remain uh, quite weak i mean while the lockdown restrictions are ending it's not as if the economy is jumping back uh, in a big way uh, it's, it's, it's a slow, considered improvement in terms of the, the economy. So we'd like to see you know, the business confidence continue to improve and certainly an improvement in business conditions. The one thing that will hold this survey back somewhat is the fact that we've been doing, doing right you know, sort of across the country, you know, places like New South Wales and Queensland and the like. Uh, but um, this setback that we've had in Victoria... Uh, certainly may affect the, the readings on business confidence and conditions. And it'll be very, very interesting to, to look closely at the state figures uh, for, for these readings to be able to see if there is any marked difference between the Victorian readings and the rest of the country. That'll be fascinating to watch. And of course, uh, there's no telling that whether the, the pandemic from Victoria might spread to other states as well. I mean, they're, they're, in, they're on watch as well. Yeah, the, this is very much a case that uh, we've got to be um, very much um, alert and alarmed, you know, so this the stage. Yeah, so we need to make sure that we do everything to make sure that we don't have the Victorian situation spreading to other parts of you know, so Australia. Uh, already we've, we've seen, you know, so one case, you know, so merged in Northern Territory after around about 60-odd days where they had uh, nothing. We wanted, don't want to see uh, sort of some community transmissions you know, in New South Wales as well, because we have been getting on top of that. And places like Queensland, South Australia, Tasmania and West Australia have been doing very well. They're effectively down to zero in the ACT. So we have been, uh, by and large, except for you know, the, the fresh issues in Victoria, been doing very, very well. Um, and we need to continue to do that because the 
the economic prospects really rely on you know, how well we're doing in terms of the 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 ability to suppress the the virus across Australia. Right. Okay. And uh, are there any figures from overseas we should be watching out from overseas markets? If we're looking at the overseas markets, yes. What stands out for us is um, on Thursday it's the the Chinese GDP figures. So they're usually one of the the first countries to to um, kick off the the ball in terms of the new quarter. So we'll have the June quarter figures in terms of Chinese yes you know, GDP. So We'll see you know, how quickly that economy is, is bouncing back. We'll also have the usual monthly readings on production, investment and retail spending. So and certainly, given the fact that China is our major trading partner, I suppose China's almost everyone's major trading partner, but it's our major trading partner in a big way. Something like 38% of our exports to go to China and it's dominated by, by iron ore. So um, very much in our interest to be able to see how that Chinese economy is going. So. Uh, Thursday really has to stand out in terms of that, that data. In terms of the United States, uh, less of a focus. Usually we have a big focus in the United States, but uh, on Tuesday we've got the Consumer Price Index measure of inflation. Inflation's not a biggie in terms of what people are worrying about you know, at the moment. Probably more important is in terms of Wednesday, the production figures. So we'll have industrial production figures out of the United States. Uh, Thursday we have retail spending and the, the Beige Book, which is a summary of economic conditions across the, the Federal Reserve districts. And then on Friday, we have housing starts. So in the United States, yes, the production and retail tr- trade figures just show how quickly the um, US economy is getting back to, to normal. It's going to take a little bit longer because they're having troubles in suppressing the virus in quite a number of states in the United States. Um, China, there has been some encouraging figures you know, sort of late particularly in terms of industrial uh, profits and, um, uh, and also the, the purchasing managers index for, for manufacturing and services have been doing a little bit better. So we'll be very keenly watching those figures you know, coming out on Thursday in terms of China GDP. Of course, that will occur on the same day that our jobs data is, is coming out. The jobs data right the way across the globe is very, very, very volatile. It's very, very hard to forecast. So we're at the moment sitting back and you know, sort of um, uh, trying to you know, sort of come up with you know, sort of our estimates. We haven't finalised our estimates in terms of those figures coming out on Thursday. But remembering you know, sort of what happened you know, sort of in May, uh, almost 228,000 jobs were lost and the unemployment rate ticked up to 7.1%. Our view is that the unemployment rate is likely to peak in Australia around about 8.4% sometime over the September quarter. And then if we look 12 months out, we'll probably be seeing the unemployment rate somewhere around about the current sorts of levels, around about, you know, sort of 7 to 7.5% in 12 months' time. Right. So when do you expect it to get round about the fives? Yeah, I think it's going to take some time. Now, of course, we've got to remember in terms of the um, uh, our, our forecasting, it, it's a very, very volatile uh, situation that we're in with uh, COVID. And, and, of course, we're seeing that, you know, it's represented a lot of volatility in terms of the, the economic data. So um, if anything, uh, what we've seen in recent times is a surprise on the upside for a lot of these uh, indicators. Uh, unemployment in Australia, the initial, initially the uh, Treasury and also uh, the Reserve Bank were expecting uh, that we could see uh, 11 12% yes, unemployment. Well, we don't look as though we're going to get anywhere near that. And of course, a key reason for that is JobKeeper and JobSeeker. So 
uh, certainly they've been very, very successful. And that, that was the aim. The aim was to um, ensure that people remain engaged with their workplace. They weren't separated. That they had that uh, lifeline for a job keeper attaching them, the, the employees to the employers. And hopefully, yes, in the coming months, we'll see fewer and fewer people on job keeper. Could be worse for the simple reason that they've got back to, to their workplaces. And of course, the quicker that people get back to their workplaces, the less need we have for JobKeeper. And this whole debate about whether it should be extended or not will be resolved very, very easily. Well, we'll watch that with a great deal of fascination. And Craig, James, thank you very much for your time. Not a problem, Liam. Thank you. So what's happening in the news? Well, the closure of Victoria's borders risks slowing the national recovery from the coronavirus crisis with the return to lockdowns across Melbourne also sapping business confidence. The sharp spike in infections has prompted a clampdown by businesses that were preparing for a return to work and normalised working conditions in line with other states. But Melbourne's central business district remains a relative ghost town, with some landlords ready for tighter restrictions. Business leaders warn the initial limited impact on supply chains could be compounded by a hit to business confidence, as the city is dotted with empty office buildings, with occupancy running as low as 10%. Companies may also push work into other states that are not caught by border restrictions, with Sydney and Brisbane positioning for work. Melbourne business leaders express concerns about the longer-term economic impact of the pandemic and associated lockdowns. And Prime Minister Scott Morrison concedes jobs are at risk, while business reacted with alarm after New South Wales Premier Gladys Berejiklian ordered her state's border with Victoria to stop the spread of a fresh coronavirus outbreak. South Australian Premier Stephen Marshall, who until last week had been preparing to ease border controls on July the 20th, did not rule out following Ms Berejiklian's lead and shutting his state's border to Victorians. The ACT will also deny entry to Victorians without an exemption. Business groups warn the move to effectively isolate Victoria, which is responsible for about 25% of the nation's economic output, will further batter investment and consumer confidence. And credit and debit card data spending across Australia is up 12% on the same time last year, but reinstated COVID-19 restrictions in Victoria have kept its recovery lagging well behind the other states. The latest data from the Commonwealth Bank for the week to July the 3rd shows Tasmania and West Australia are leading the spending recovery, up 20% and 19% respectively, on the same week last year. But the CBA card data shows Victoria's spending recovery is up only 5%, well behind all other states and territories, largely due to the reinstatement of restrictions and lockdowns imposed in some postcodes. And the Australian economy will bounce out of the coronavirus recession, but it will be a jobless turnaround new forecast suggests, with real wages likely to fall until the middle of a decade and government debt to breach $1 trillion. Victoria's sharp rise in coronavirus cases over several weeks has put the entire Australian economic recovery at risk, a new report has warned. A Deloitte Access Economics Business Outlook report said the national economy would contract by 3% this year. Victoria is likely to be the worst performing state economy during the COVID-19 crisis, suffering prolonged misery, even as the national economy would recover more quickly than previously forecast. Written just as the outbreak in Victoria intensified, Deloitte Access Economics' latest quarter business outlook warns, if you can't beat back the virus, then you can't open up. While the Deloitte report assumes that the intensifying lockdown in Melbourne suburbs will suppress the virus outbreak of, of the past fortnight, it still predicts us for Victoria's gross state product will contract 1.6% in real terms this financial year, the worst of all the states. 
As other states have worked towards opening their economies in recent weeks, Victoria, which makes up a quarter of the nation's GDP, has gone the opposite way by enforcing tough new lockdown measures. Deloitte Access Economics partner Chris Richardson said Victoria was more exposed to economic turmoil because of its dependence on migration and on foreign students in an age of lockdowns and closed borders. The firm expects unemployment to average 8.2% in the current financial year. Even by 2024-25, Deloitte is forecasting the jobless rate to still be above its pre-virus low of 5.1%. Wage growth is tipped to lag inflation out to 2024-25, with full-time employment to grow slower than part-time jobs for several years. Over the entire period, interest rates are not expected to move. An ANZ Roy Morgan consumer confidence fell a further 1% last week, taking it to an eight-week low with new COVID-19 case numbers continuing to escalate in Melbourne. Economic conditions weakened further with current economic conditions declining 2.2% and future economic conditions falling 2.7%. And the Reserve Bank has kept the official interest rate anchored at 0.25%, but warned that uncertainty among consumers was a big threat to driving the economic recovery. RBA Governor Philip Lowe said uncertainty has become the big new problem on the horizon for the economy. Less than an hour after his statement was released, Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews announced that Stage 3 restrictions would be imposed for six weeks in Melbourne in an effort to control the rapid spread of the pandemic. And ANZ job ads rose by a record 42% in June, dwarfing the previous record monthly increase of 17.7% in February 2010. Week-to-week movements were positive as well, showing consistent improvement throughout the month. This is not overly surprising, given that COVID-19 restrictions continue to ease across most of Australia during June. SEEK noted that the strongest growth in SEEK job ads has been in the hospitality and tourism sector. This is a good sign for at least some of the 381,000 workers in accommodation and food services and arts and recreation who lost employment between February and May. Despite the rebound in June, ANZ job ads were still 41% lower than they were in February before the pandemic began to impact the labour market. And Woolworths and Coles have backflipped over purchase restrictions on toilet paper and other groceries, reintroducing buying limits removed less than two days ago amid a new outbreak of panic buying in Victoria. After lifting nationwide buying restrictions on all products except toilet paper on Wednesday morning, Woolworths imposed a two-pack limit on 27 categories including pasta, eggs, fresh milk, sliced bread, frozen food, flour, mince and bacon in Victoria in stores and online. Coles customers shopping in stores and online will be restricted to buying two packs of 20 products, including fresh chicken, mince, sugar, rice, fresh and long-life milk and paper towels, and one pack of toilet paper. And Australia's major banks have pledged to offer an additional four-month extension of loan repayment relief scheduled to end in September, though some institutions will try to encourage people back into regular payments. The pledge of support will have banks shoulder the economic burden of a crisis through Christmas and well into 2021, a six-month period for the first of the 800,000 customers who deferred more than $260 billion worth of loans back in March, concludes. The extension will deliver some much-needed relief for Victorian businesses ordered back into lockdown after the coronavirus spike forced Premier Daniel Andrews to return metropolitan Melbourne to stage three restrictions from midnight on Wednesday. It comes as Federal Education Minister Dan Tian said families with children kept at home in lockdown suburbs will be eligible for the waiver of parent gap fees for childcare to replace national measures that end on Sunday. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews will offer businesses a $5,000 support package and a sought welfare support extensions from Prime Minister Scott Morrison. And Australians are gambling hard during lockdown, with two key sets of data revealing a 64 to 105% uplift in those taking a punt. 
The latest Ilion Alphabet data from the week beginning June 21st has shown a 64% rise in online gaming, while NAB Economics Data Insights reveal a 105% increase in gambling. Gaming activities recorded the highest increase in spending, according to NAB, in front of residential care services and internet publishing and broadcasting, which rose 38% and 26.1% respectively. Meanwhile, online gaming recorded the third biggest surge in spending behind food delivery and furniture and office equipment, which has risen 247 and 92% respectively, according to the Ilion data. But the wagering companies say that while online gaming has soared, Overall expenditure has declined after government-enforced restrictions shut down the big casinos, major sport codes and poker machine venues. Listed gaming giant Tapcor, which has stood down about 700 staff, mostly from betting booths that has been forced to close, said the wagering spend has shifted from physical outlets to digital channels. And Qantas has upped the ante on struggling rival Virgin, announcing its second massive fare sale in two weeks. From Monday to Friday, Qantas will offer 350,000 discounted fares from $109 one way, with 40 routes available from under $150. It comes after an end of financial year sale with low fares partner Jetstar that offered 200,000 heavily discounted fares and triple flight frequent flyer points on Qantas bookings. The timing of the latest sale will coincide with Virgin Australia's own ramping up of flights in August and over the September-October school holidays. The rival carrier announced its pushback into the domestic market last Thursday and a comeback sale after an injection of desperately needed funds from new owner Bain Capital. Virgin Australia went into administration on April the 21st with debts of $6.8 billion. And Qantas and Virgin Australia have been warned that they can be called out any time for abuses of market power as a competition watchdog starts tracking airline routes. How exactly airlines choose and manage their aviation routes as borders reopen and more flights take off is being scrutinised by the Australian Competition Consumer Commission. The ACCC was given special powers by Treasurer Josh Frydenberg in June to monitor the prices, costs and profits of domestic air passenger transport services and related goods and services for three years and told to report at least quarterly. But it is understood that the watchdog has the authority to call out bad behaviour at any time, not only in quarterly reports, and that it will not hesitate to act if it sees abuses of competition. The ACCC will not monitor individual airfares, but it will watch how airlines adjust capacity on routes they fly, looking for signs of whether they add extra flights to hurt competitors or force them off, which could lead to higher airfares. The competition watchdog is also continuing to investigate Qantas's purchase of a 19.9% stake in Alliance Aviation last year, making it the single biggest shareholder in the regional airline. Alliance competes with Qantas in regional markets and on fly-in, fly-out routes to mining centres. The real test for the airlines will come when the government's financial supports and waivers on airport charges and fuel taxes cease. In June, the Commonwealth extended support for airlines until the end of September to help cover the cost of keeping key routes open. It will cover cost shortfalls on regional routes until the end of December. And Virgin's takeover by a US private equity giant could be derailed as the airline's key bondholders lodge a case with the Australian Takeovers panel, challenging the deal. Those bondholders are Broad Peak Investment Advisors, a hedge fund backed by Singapore's sovereign wealth fund Temasek, and Hong Kong-based Tor Investment Management. They will argue that the circumstances regarding the process conducted by the administrators, Deloitte, are unacceptable and have the effect of precluding an alternative deal being presented to Virgin's creditors at their next meeting in mid-August. Virgin went into voluntary administration in April as a coronavirus pandemic and worldwide travel restrictions destroyed its ability to earn revenue. The airline owes almost $7 billion worth of debt to around 12,000 creditors. On, on June 26, 
Bain Capital emerged as a victorious bidder for Virgin and entered into a sale agreement with its administrator, pledging to preserve as many jobs as possible. However, key details about the takeover are shrouded in secrecy, for example, the purchase price. Broadpeak and Tor have applied for interim orders from the panel, seeking access to information about the Bain takeover, in particular, the terms of the deal. And plasma giant CSL has begun enrolling patients in a phase two study for a potential treatment for people with COVID-19 suffering severe respiratory distress. On Monday evening, the company's Philadelphia, Pennsylvania office confirmed approximately 124 adult patients who've tested positive for coronavirus would take part in a randomised trial where they would receive either CSL's monoclonal antibody, CSL-312, or a placebo. So CSL-312 is also called geridizumab and is an antibody treatment that inhibits a plasma protein, except FXLLA. It is hoped the treatment will be useful in preventing the progression of coronavirus once patients experience respiratory distress and could be another tool for doctors to use in the fight against the virus. The $132 billion ASX-listed company has unveiled a range of research projects for the fight against COVID-19 in recent weeks. These include pledging to produce the first runs of a vaccine in development by the University of Queensland if successful, as well as taking part in a global alliance with other blood plasma treatment competitors to develop a treatment using antibodies from recovered patients. And Network 10 lost $227 million in 2019 after big write-downs on its television licences, onerous programming contracts and rights, and heavy investments in its primetime schedule and its advertising sales department. The Viacom CBS-owned network booked a $226.6 million bottom-line loss for calendar 2019, according to filings with the Australian Securities Investments Commission. If one-off items are taken out, 10 had an underlying loss after tax of $45.3 million. 10's annual report notes significant investment in primetime shows Dancing with Stars, The Masked Singer and The Amazing Race. Last year also marked for the first year of 10's $20 million a year Melbourne Cup deal after an outbid rival Seven West Media. The five-year $100 million contract is a mix of cash and contra or free advertising. The year also marked 10 having to set up its own advertising sales team again after it exited Foxtel's multi-channel network venture, which had been selling its ads since 2015. The setup, hiring and building of its own unit required significant investment. And Morris Blackburn lawyers will push ahead with a lawsuit seeking damages from the Commonwealth Bank for allegedly delaying the transfer of $3.2 billion in customer balances to lower fee products. The law firm is undeterred by finding that the bank did not break the law. The Australian Prudential Regulation Authority last Thursday slapped licence conditions on CBA subsidiary Colonial First State Investments, ordering it to keep better records of how it considered members' best interests when making decisions. An investigation by the watchdog found concerns about the adequacy of internal processes at the bank, but did not conclude it had breached superannuation laws. The probe was sparked by a formal referral from the Hain Royal Commission, which noted the bank-owned trustee was bound to transfer accrued default payments promptly and did not. Morris Blackburn managing principal lawyer Ben Slade, who is leading the class action litigation suit against ABA's wealth-armed colonial first state that was filed on October 2019, said he was unfazed by the findings. And a record 1.4 million Australians are relying on food relief organisation Food Bank. Food Bank said the numbers of those needing food relief increased 78% since the pandemic began, with international students, seniors, single parents and temporary visa holdings making up the bulk of new users. The Red Cross, meanwhile, said it was assisting more than 14,000 temporary visa holders compared to about 620 this time last year. Experts warn the number of people needing assistance will increase when government assistance is rolled back in September. And Westpac, 
will pay $8 million to 8,000 employees whose long service leave was underpaid. Australia's second largest lender says the error was uncovered as part of a review into payroll and long service leave arrangements, which found there were issues with both overpayment and underpayment of staff. Those who were overpaid will not be made to repay any money. It's the latest case of underpayment by a large Australian company following problems at Woolworths, Commonwealth Bank and National Australia Bank. And that's it for this week. And next week I'll be talking to Troy Rurnfield from digital agency Increasio, which had set up a website stimulus package to help to arm all Australians with information regarding the recently implemented stimulus packages. Individuals and businesses will be able to locate and easily sort through all applicable support packages offered by the federal and state governments to help ease financial pressures and better navigate the tough times ahead. And I'll be talking to economist Nicholas Gruen, who always has interesting insights. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at TalkingBizBLZ, on Facebook and on LinkedIn. And if you want, leave a comment. Wishing you all a safe and healthy week and looking forward to bringing Talking Business next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.